0: Uh, We're going to kind of kick into a series uh, that was already planned, supposed to start a few weeks ago, and uh, I kind of tied into it a little bit last week, but this week I'm going to really get into it uh, a little more. And uh, so the the series is called, Are We There Yet? And really it's about uh, what the Bible calls the end times or the last days. And you know, and there's lots of questions about it, and so there's Lots of questions, so the Bible has lots of answers then, right? And, uh, and it's important that we see these things and understand what the Scriptures have to say. And, uh, you know, this is a, a huge topic in Scripture. The Bible has a lot to say about the last days. You're like, well, when did the last days begin? When Jesus died. But the Bible talks about the last of the last days as well. And so, you know, because even uh, what we call uh, the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up and he, he makes this statement and says, you know, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Well, this, the Holy Spirit was poured out 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. Well, was that the last days? Yes. Are these the last days? Yes. You're like, well, how can they both be? Because that was the beginning of, And if there's a beginning, there's an end. And the Bible talks about this. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking uh, at what the Bible has to say about these last days. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but our world has gone crazy. Anybody else that kind of caught? Well, here's, here's the thing. Is the Bible told us this is what was going to happen. God always tells us ahead of time, and I'll, I'll get into that, but here's one of the things, and this is one of the things I shared last week, and, and so we'll kind of kick in, is that when we see the finish line, that's hustle time. That's time to pick it up and start being what? You know, because like as an example, Jesus had a very uh, specific time frame for his life. He he lived on the earth for 30 years, kind of under the radar, Right? And then he had three and a half years of pretty public ministry. But he also knew that there was a time that was coming. Now, did he know the exact time frame? Probably not. Maybe, I I don't know. But what I know is that Jesus was focused. Why? Because he knew there was a finish line coming. Whether he was aware of it specifically or not, it created this focus in him. And that's why even when he was 12, he told his mom sitting in the temple... Don't you know I would be about my father's business which you know Mary's like shut up boy come on and uh that's the way she handled that it's like don't back talk me and um but I but I do think it's interesting um you know even in that is that he was focused and that created really the drive of his life and we don't want to be distracted by the chaos of the days in which we live because just as there may be chaos there's also a plan God has a plan for the last days just as much as we see the world, and and there's an agenda. The Bible calls it the Antichrist spirit. Like, what does that mean? It means it's a spirit that is completely against or working against what God wants. And so, and we see this, and and I know that there's lots and lots of questions, and people want to flip to like the middle of Revelations and say, what does this random verse mean? My answer is probably going to be, I don't know, but... I can tell you a lot of things that the scripture does have to say. And it talks a lot about the last days, about the coming of the Lord. Now, there are a few things that you need to understand and know just to have a little bit better understanding of scripture is that there are two events that most of the time that people lump into one, which is the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. They are not the same event. There's a there's a space between them, um, you know, and so because a lot of times people say things and we're going to look at one of these verses today. Is that like, well, you can never know when the Lord's coming. The Bible says that no man knows the time or the hour. This is true, but it doesn't mean that we won't be aware. And I'm going to show you this in scripture so you don't take my opinion for it. I'm going to read you the word of God on this is that. You know, because people, we can think that, well, we just got to live our life and Jesus will come back whenever he comes back. Yeah, but that also tells me that I'm not looking for a finish line either, which is what? Just going to allow me to be distracted versus being focused because right now, especially for us with all that we got going on, it's easy to lose focus. It's, it's easy to lose sight of why are we here, Right? Like we don't just come to church for us. We don't come to church just to learn more about God. No, we want to learn so that we can go out and introduce God to other people. That's the purpose of the church. And we have a great opportunity right now to get outside of our normal. And you're like, yeah, but I've got chaos in my life. Man, all these things, yes. So go and serve some other people. That's what I shared with you last week and talking about that. Is that look, because we understand that look, you your home will get taken care of. A pound of worry will not make it one day shorter. A few more hours of lost sleep are not going to change what is happening. But we can respond in a way that brings glory to God That affects those around us. That we can be light in the midst of somebody else's chaos. We can bring hope. Which is prayerfully what we did yesterday. To bring some hope into somebody else's moment. And to point them to God. And to say look this is the answer. This little card that we're giving you. It's a temporary fix. But the real answer that you need. Is going to only be found in a relationship with the Lord. And so that's very important. And so. You know, I want to read a scripture here out of Second Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 3. I'm going to read verse 3 and 4 here, but it says, uh, most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come. People will come and say, oh yeah, I've heard this before. I've heard people talk about the coming of the Lord. And it says that they will mock the truth and they will follow their own desires. So here's a couple characteristics. They're going to, what? They're going to say, oh, we've heard this before. They're going to mock the truth. People are going to say, man, I can't believe that you would believe in God. Why would you do this? People have been saying that Jesus is coming back for, I've been hearing this my whole life. Yeah, but the Bible's very clear. And the Bible, again, over the course of the next few weeks, my prayer is that we are able to give you very clear information and, and details about what the Bible says. Because the Bible says and God declares that, hey, I'm going to tell you about things before they ever happen and I can even give you the time frames for it. Like there are things happening every week right now in the news that the Bible talked about 1,500 to 2,500 years ago. Like there are treaties being made right now. There are nations aligning right now that the Bible talked about. So it's not like it shouldn't be a shocker to us. There may be some things in the natural that we look at and say, well, that doesn't make any sense. But it does if you understand scripture. It's like, well, this isn't anything new. I didn't think it would come together like this. And and what I believe is happening is that a lot of the prophecies that we see throughout scripture, it seems like somebody just hit the fast forward button and we're seeing things happen at a much faster rate than what I've ever seen. And so, you know, in my lifetime, and I've talked to people who have lived and served the Lord a lot longer than me, and they... Echo the same thing. It seems like things are happening. The pace has picked up. The, the rate at which things are happening and coming to pass and, and even prophetic things are being fulfilled at a very fast rate. And yet here it says that people will mock you for believing in the word of God. It says that they'll just follow their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Well, I think we can pretty well say that things have not just, this is not status quo for what we're seeing right now. I mean, natural disasters are coming at a faster rate. I mean, I don't know if you saw this, but they ran out of names to to name hurricanes, so they had to go to the Greek, and that's where we got beta from. It's like page two on storms. Like usually they have page one and that's good for, okay, well, we didn't even make it out of September and they were already out of names. So that tells you something like things. are. I mean, there were seven storms at one point at varying degrees between the Atlantic and the Gulf of Mexico. That's just in that part of the world. Seven storms all happening at one time. And yet that can make us fearful, but it shouldn't. Why? Because the Bible talks about this. And yet the, here, but it even says people will say, well, hey, nothing's really changed except that everything has changed. Nothing is like it's never we've never been here as a human race before where we see things happening on a global scale the way that we do. And, and so it goes on here. It dropped down to verse nine. And it says that the Lord isn't uh, really being slow about his promise to return, is what it's talking about there, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. It says he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So God is giving time for people to hear the gospel. It says, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. He says, Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, I know we're all fixing our houses at varying degrees right now, but there will come a day that your house is going to be toast permanently. Like, just, you're like, oh, that's really comforting. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that. Everything around us is going to be destroyed, is what the Bible says. Now, here's the good news. Hopefully, you won't be here for any of this. That's my prayer. And it says, so what is holy, or it says, what holy and godly lives that we should live. So even in the midst of this moment that we find ourselves, we should be living holy and godly lives, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Now, some of you are already thinking, like, why would I look forward to that? And why would I want to make it happen quickly? Because you won't be here. We're, you know, and so it goes on here. It says that on that day, he will set the heavens on fire. The elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth. God says, hey, I'm going to rebuild it. The way that it was intended to be and supposed to be. It says, It says, a world that is filled with God's righteousness. He says, "So dear so dear friends, while you are waiting for these to hap- these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in God's sight." So, we have some instructions here that even as we live in chaos, chaos doesn't have to be in us. There's a big difference It doesn't just because the world goes crazy doesn't mean that we're supposed to be. As a matter of fact, we're called to be different than the world. We are called to think different, live different, act different, and not like putting on some facade. I mean, like we really have actual peace. I know my home is destroyed. I know that I've lost this. I know that I've, but it's just a house. Now houses are important. but they're just natural things. Your house ain't going with you to heaven. Jesus is building you a house in heaven that no storm can ever touch. It's very different. But if we focus just here, we're going to lose sight of where we should be focused. And so, and it tells us that we are what? To be found living peaceful lives in the sight of God. That is God's desire for every one of us is that we walk in peace. You know, I believe that one of the things that we can take away from this is that if we anticipate that something is coming, we should prepare for it. If I don't anticipate and I don't believe what scriptures tell me about the, the return of Jesus, then I will not prepare. But, you know, I, I've had, well, my wife has had two children. I was along for the journey. <laughs> I had to correct myself there. And my wife has had two children, but this is what I know is that we didn't wait until the baby was born to say, maybe we should prepare. That would not have been good. As a matter of fact, we had to prepare a room months in advance. Everything had to be painted, and I'm like, why are we painting anything? Like, it's a baby, they're not gonna remember this. We gotta decorate, I don't get that. Like all of these things that come with that. But there was preparation. Like I watched my wife kind of shift a little bit when Max, before Max was born, because, you know, uh, she had these like motherly instincts that kicked in before the, before my son was even born. And all of a sudden she needed a nest to bring this baby to, right? Like it didn't matter what every other room in the house looked like, but that one there had to be perfect. Why? Because she was making preparation for something she was anticipating. And so if we're going to understand that what the Bible tells us, then we ought to, and, and, and if we anticipate that what the Bible tells us is true, which, and again, over the next few weeks, my prayer is to give you very clear scripture that will show you time frames. Like there's numbers involved. In this, and it's not just kind of theory and just words on a page. Is there are very significant events that have happened in some of our lifetimes? I'll say it this way: that have happened in the last seventy and eighty years. That the Bible says, "When this happens, pay attention." And it happened: 1948, 1967. Those are dates. There are events that happened specifically that God said, "When you see this, start paying attention." And we'll look at some of these things. And and again, none of this is to scare you. It's to what? To give you hope and to prepare. And, and so it's important that we do this. And so, you know, that we understand what Scripture has to say. See, the, the truth is, is that God never foretells anything to scare us. He tells us so that we can be prepared. He tells us so that we're not caught off guard, so that we're not kind of sideswiped by it and just like, what just happened? No, it's so that we can know and say, oh, well, I already This isn't a surprise to me. I didn't know it was going to happen today, but I knew that these things could happen. He doesn't want us to be caught off guard. So let me give you just a little bit of understanding from Scripture about, because people will say, well, but we can never know the day or the hour. We can never know when the return of Christ will be. We'll, We'll never know all these things. Yes, but let me show you some precedent that God has set in Scripture, multiple places. But let me give you, because the return of Christ is actually going to be, the Bible calls it, a day of judgment on the world. Well, let me give you an example in the Old Testament of a day of judgment and how God handled that with humanity. Because there is a principle here of First. If you see God do something the first, that's how He's going to continue to work many times. But in Genesis chapter 18, it's the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Most of you probably know this story. If you don't, Sodom and Gomorrah was known as a godless society. You know, there was all kinds of craziness that was going on, it was full tilt nuts there. And so all of these crazy things were going on happening. And God looks down and says, I've heard some bad things about Sodom and Gomorrah, and I'm going to come and destroy it with two angels. Now you think about that, that ought to tell you something about angels. And remember that we have angels that the Bible says that God puts this charge over us and yet it only takes two to wipe out a city. And yet you got some personal protectors. (laughs) That's good news. But what happens is that God sends angels and my personal opinion is that it was two angels and Jesus. This is just my opinion and I have reasons why I believe this. But They came to judge Sodom and Gomorrah for their sin. But before judgment came, God makes a statement in verse 17 of Genesis 18 and says, should I hide my plan from Abraham? Should I do this? Should I bring judgment without even speaking or letting my righteous one know what I'm about to do? And some of you will know this story is that Right after this, Abraham begins to negotiate with God to save Sodom and Gomorrah. Because he had some family there. He says, hey, if I could find 50 people who are righteous, would you spare the city? And God says, yes. Abraham goes out, comes back, says, okay, I couldn't find 50. What about 25? <laughs> you know, okay, I couldn't get 25. What about, hey, you know, he starts like an auctioneer just negotiating here with God. And finally he's like, okay, can I just go get my family out? Because, yeah, I agree. You know, we need to do something about this. And so... Abraham goes and they begin to remove his family out and then the Bible says that Sodom and Gomorrah were wiped off the face of the planet in God's judgment. But think about this. Is that judgment did not come until the righteous were removed. Judgment did not come that God did not speak to his people first. And I know that there's lots of things that that, that people... And opinions on things as to the time frames of when is this going to happen? And when is that going to happen? But if you look throughout scripture, God always removes the righteous before judgment comes. Think about Noah. Him and his family were in the ark before the, well, water kind of came. Most of time we think of it that the waters came down. But the Bible actually says the water came down and it sprang up. Came up from two locations. They were safe in the ark. And he looked crazy for 120 years. Noah did. Like, I'm going to build a boat on dry land. Why? Because it's going to rain. What's rain? Never seen rain. They were mocking. I mean, can you imagine the ridicule that Noah and his family had to hear for 120 years until the first drop started falling? Then he looked brilliant. And everybody thought, man, I should have paid attention, I should have listened. See, and we live in a culture right now, and we will, and it's not going to get better. I hate to tell you that, but it's just the truth. Is that it's going to become more and more and more adversarial towards us as believers, as Christians. Because there's a spirit at work, and these aren't just natural things. These are spiritual things at work. And yet God will speak to us. God will talk to us. God will give us some understanding if we are listening one of the phrases that's repeated over and over and over in the book of Revelations, which is kind of the culmination of the story that God has written from Genesis to Revelations, is he says, he who has ears, let him hear. In other words, let him who is paying attention hear doesn't mean that we're just going to automatically hear no we got to be paying attention in Amos chapter 3 verse 7 it says indeed the sovereign lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants the prophets god never does anything that he doesn't give us what an early warning system it's called the holy spirit who's alive on the inside of you you know what an early warning system does it tells you, hey, a missile's on its way. <laughs> Trouble is coming. And the Holy Spirit can help prepare us even to give us insight ahead of time. Isaiah 46.10 says that I make known the end from the beginning and from ancient times what is still to come. And he says, for my purpose will stand and I will do all that I Please. This is the Lord speaking. So here's one of the things that that we have to know and have to understand during this time. There is a timetable and very specific events that the Lord said is going to happen. And all of our prayer will not change that. Why? Because it is the will of God. It's the purpose. It's the plan of God. Now, does that mean that we shouldn't pray? No, we should absolutely pray. Because sometimes we pray not to change circumstances. Sometimes we pray to change us. We keep ourselves focused. It keeps us at peace. It keeps us where we need to be. And so we need to be praying, not just God fix everything. Sometimes it's God give me strength. God give me courage. God give me the wisdom that I need on how to navigate the days that I live in, in a victorious way. Because God does not want us to walk through these times defeated. The Bible says we are what? More than conquerors in Christ. Okay, if you want to be victorious, you got to remain in. You got to stay in. You got to stay plugged in. Why? Because that's where our strength comes from. And without Him, you're left to your own devices. You're left to your own abilities. And, and so it's important that we understand these things. That we we see how this works. And so, you know, there, I'm, I'm going to give you a couple more scriptures as I'm wrapping up this morning. But a couple of scriptures, and I'm just laying some groundwork for some of what we're going to be sharing in the next little bit, over the next few weeks with you. But this comes out of First Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to read you a few verses here, starting in verse 1. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and the dates that we we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. We've already heard that once today. While people are saying, peace and safety destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Now, let me just give you uh, one thing that I wanna, because it's not like we're just gonna keep going from chaos to chaos and it's just gonna intensify and consistently intens- The book of Matthew actually says that when Jesus comes back, that it'll be just like in the days of Noah. People were going to work, people were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were, they were, it was a normal day. It's not like we're like a fireball heating up that eventually is just going to and it's over. That's not the way that it's not the way scripture says it's going to happen. And even here, it says that while people are saying peace and safety, hey, things are good. Like a thief in the night. Jesus will, will come. Now, that's actually referring to the second coming of the Lord. The rapture of the church will actually be before that. But he says, he goes on, he gives us some understanding. He says, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that that day will surprise you like a thief. In other words, the, Jesus will return. is going to be like a thief in the night, but you are not in darkness. You're like, well, wait a second. I just thought he he's talking about people who don't know God. But he says, but you, that's a That's us. <laughs> But you are not in darkness, so that this day would t- surprise you like a thief. He says, you are all children of the light and children of the day. You do not belong, or we do not belong to the night or to the darkness. And so it's important that we understand these things. So, so understanding these things, how do we live moving forward? Drop down to verse uh, 8. He says, since we belong to the day, let us be sober. And that isn't referring to alcohol. That's referring to being sober-minded In other words, don't let your mind just wander everywhere. Your thoughts can be very dangerous. And they can do a lot of harm left unchecked. So he says, be sober, pay attention to what you're thinking about. He says, and putting on faith. I have to make the decision. You have to make the decision. Nobody else can make this decision for you. I choose to put on faith. I choose that I'm going to trust the word of God. He says to put on faith and love as a breastplate. I talked about that last week about living in, in love and really from the place of, of loving people the way that God would hear. It says that we are to love as a breastplate and to put on the hope of, of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. And it says, therefore, encourage one another. Anybody need to be encouraged today? It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you were doing. He says that, hey, you need to encourage, you need to build up one another. In other words, let me say another. You need to remind you and your friends what the Bible says about what we're experiencing. Don't lose sight of what God's word is saying and what God has promised. Why? Because the Bible's very clear. He's not waiting just because he's waiting so that more people can come to know him. Because he wants people. And so here's the thing that you have to know about the last days. And as I started off, I believe we're in the last days. I believe we're actually very close to the end. Now, is that a 10-year window, 30-year? I don't know. I can't say definitively, hey, on April the 1st of 2035, like I'm not writing a book anytime soon about it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like I'm not gonna be doing that. And I can't point you to a month or a week or a day or even a year, but I can tell you that there are some things from Scripture that are very clear that say, hey, we're close. Like, we're close. And to the world, that's scary. I mean, think about how many movies have been made about the end of the world. That tells you that people who aren't even necessarily spiritual people, that there's an understanding that, hey, this thing, there's, there's something else that's going to happen. It's scary for the world, but for us, it should not be scary. Scary for the world, not for the church, right? Not for the church, why? Because God has already told us what would happen and what could happen coming forward. And so, I want to share one passage, one more passage of scripture with you before we dismiss today. But this comes out of First Corinthians fifteen. I'm going to start in verse fifty one, and he says, "Listen, I will tell you a mystery." It says, we will not all sleep. Now, this is talking about the rapture of the church. So we were talking about the second coming of Christ. This is an event that will happen prior to the the return of Christ. It says, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. That word sleep there means we will not all die. But it says, but we will all be changed. It says, in the flash and in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet... For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised as imperishable and we will be and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself in imperishable and the mortal with immortality. In other words, you know how you have like these aches and pains and things that happen? Like this morning, I felt great when I got up. About an hour later though, I was like, oh man, right there, it kind of hurts. That's my physical body because of wear and tear. But the Bible says that this mortal, is going to put on perfection. It's going to put on immortality. I mean, let me say it this way. It's the greatest upgrade you can ever get. Like, uh, you know, Apple and all these, like their upgrades, they're nothing. That's going to be the greatest upgrade we'll ever get. And when Christ comes to get the church, we're not just going to go to heaven with the body we got. The Bible says that we're going to exchange this imperfection for perfection. And it says in the, in a a moment, Jesus actually talked about this in the gospels and says, there will be two people working. One will be gone and one will be left. There'll be two people laying in a bed and one will be gone and one will be left. You know, I remember I haven't seen them in a long time, but I remember I used to see these little things on cars. It says, you know, uh, If you find this car empty or whatever, you know, it's the rapture or something like that kind of thing. And I don't remember exactly how it worded it, but you know, but I mean, you think about it. Like in a moment of time, God is coming to take his people home to a place that he has prepared for us. And here it talks about, it says, man, that this moment will happen. Now, I'm not here to guarantee you when and where and how all those things are going to happen. I don't know. But the Bible says that it will happen. And the time frames are telling us, hey, we're getting close. It goes on in verse 58 and it says, there, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Stand firm. Don't allow your faith to get shaken and twisted and, and all of these things. Stand firm. Stand firm. You got to stick to what you know. You know, there's a a phrase in scripture is that, and I love it. And it says that I know in whom I have believed. Is that when my situations change, I can always go back and say, nope, I know God is faithful. When circumstances, when, when, when life hits, nope, I know the one I believed in. And I'm going to stick with him. Why? Because I'm going to stand firm in my faith. I'm not going to allow circumstances to cause me to begin to pull back from the very thing that I believed in. And it goes on here. So it tells us to stand firm and it says, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Even in the midst of post-hurricane. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Rake a yard in the name of Jesus. Pick up trash. Hug a neighbor. Pray for somebody. If you're able to fix a meal for somebody who can't fix a meal for themselves. But don't just do it because you're a kind person. Do it because Jesus is alive on the inside of you. And you want to serve Jesus people around you. You want God to use you, to 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 love on people around you. Why? Because there's a finish line that is coming. And we need to be mindful of the finish line for us, but also for other people. Because when you see a finish line, there's also creates this urgency. You know, last week I gave you the example of the two minute warning in football. At the end of the game, it seems like things happen so much faster, right? Unless you were LSU yesterday. And it's like, let's just get over it. But let's not go. Sorry, but it seems like at the end of the game, things happen so much faster. Which actually, if if you watch the game, all of a sudden, like the defense is making plays, we're getting turnovers. It's like where's this been the whole game? Never mind. I'll step away from that. But no, man, it, it, and this is why it matters for us as believers. As we see, hey, that the time is coming. This is what I know. Is Jesus gonna come back in your lifetime? I can't guarantee that. But I can guarantee you this. You only have this life to serve the Lord with. That's it. You have this life and that's what's gonna count. And so because of that, we need to be mindful and say, God, okay, even in the midst of this moment, what do you you want from me? What are you asking of me? What do I need to be doing? What do I need to be focused on? Who do I need to be focused on? Who should I be praying for? Yeah, but if I try to share the gospel with them, they're going to make fun of me. The Bible said they would. But maybe you're just sowing a seed, maybe you're watering a seed, but you did your part. And that's what matters. Is that we do our part. God's not going to ask you, where's the results of your life? He's going to ask you, did you do what I asked you to do? And then we trust him with the results. Because the reality and the truth is, is that we probably will never know the impact of our life, this side of heaven. Now, I personally hold to the belief that when we stand before the Lord, he's going to say, let me show you the impact that your life had. And I think we'll all be blown away. Because I think that we greatly overestimate our impact in the short term. Because we think God's going to do these great things in the short term of our life. And then we get frustrated and even kind of question like, well, did I really do enough for the Lord in the short term? And So we underestimate, or we overestimate, I believe, in the short term many times. But I think that we greatly underestimate our impact over the course of our lifetime. And I believe the God's going to say, hey, let me just show you what, what you were a part of. Every seed that you sowed, every dollar that you gave, let me show you the masses of people that were influenced and impacted by the gospel because you sowed that seed, because you handed that gift card, you, you changed that family. Now, you didn't know that, but that actually was a, a key moment that, that shifted the direction of their family because you went out and handed a card to somebody and said, hey, God loves you and so do I. Is there anything I can pray with you for today? And it shifted something. Maybe their heart was hardened to the Lord or they had a lot of bad experiences with church and they just needed one good experience with the church to soften their heart a little bit to come back to the Lord. But see, we don't see all that. All we know is, well, we handed out 192 gift cards yesterday. Which is awesome. I'm I'm very thankful that we have the opportunity to do that. But the goal is not to hand out gift cards. The goal is to connect with people and to point them back to Jesus. That should be the goal of our life every day. But if I'm so focused on me and what I've got all the time, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't take care of ourselves, I believe in that. But if I'm only focused on myself, that's a pretty small world to live in. And I want to live in a much greater world than just what I, I have and what I can see. And so if I'll do that, God's going to get the glory. People are going to be impacted. And when I stand before Jesus, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful. Because that's what I'm aiming for. My prayers, that's what you're aiming for. So these are the times to, to be focused. These are the times to pay attention, to live like Jesus is coming back. If there is somebody's eternity at stake. Maybe your neighbor, maybe a friend, maybe a co-worker, whoever it may be. There are people all around us. They don't just need physical help. They need spiritual help. They need salvation. They need forgiveness of sins. Because Jesus is the only way to go to heaven. There is no other way. I am the way, right? That's what Jesus said. I am the way, not a way, the way. No one else goes to the Father but by me. And so we need to be praying and asking the Lord, Lord, make me sensitive to the people around me. Give me eyes to see those opportunities where people would be open to the gospel, that it would be easy for me just to kind of glance over and run by them. Let my heart be sensitive. Let my eyes be open to see those moments where I could just speak a word of encouragement to somebody, that I could just even pray with somebody in kind of a, a moment that I wouldn't normally think, oh, this would be a good moment for that. Let my heart be sensitive to those around me. And if we'll pray this and we'll live this way and we'll be intentional about these things, it's not that opportunities are all of a sudden going to start coming. We're just seeing them. We're starting to see the opportunities in the, that have been around us all along. But man, you'll be able to impact people, not just for right now, but for all of eternity. And that's pretty awesome. Amen. Well, let me pray for you this morning.